Welcome to the podcast for the Northwest Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Atlanta. Our minister is the Reverend Terry Davis, and each week we'll record audio of the sermon and reflections from members of the congregation from the pulpit at our home in the woods. Thank you for joining us. You can visit us in person at 1025 Mount Vernon Highway Northwest in Sandy Springs or on the web at nwuuc.org. March 20th, 2016. Today's sermon is Time for Interfaith Harmony by Reverend Dr. Kennedy. It is an honor to be here with you today. Had the privilege of attending the Parliament of the World's Religions in Salt Lake City, Utah in October. 10,000 people, 80 countries, 50 religions. It was amazing. When I first walked in the door, the first thing I saw was the monks who are devotees connected with the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama was invited. He was too ill. Unfortunately, he was not there. But there was a picture of him, and the monks, the Tibetan monks, were doing a sand mandala. So all through the parliament, as you went by, you could see their progress on this beautiful sand painting. And the whole thing began actually outside with the indigenous grandmothers who came from all over and conducted a fire ceremony. As Neil read, the first parliament was more than 100 years ago in 1893 in Chicago as part of the World's Fair at the time. And the indigenous people were not there then. People's concept of religion was too narrow. But they were very well represented. So there was about 100 years where there was no parliament. And... In 1993, it was revived. And since then, there have been about five, I think, parliaments in different parts of the world. A gathering of people of faith from all over the world who come together to say yes to peace, yes to harmony, yes to sustainability. And it was wonderful and uplifting to be in the midst of people so dedicated. And everywhere I turned, there were people in incredible costumes. I saw Buddhist monks, for sure. There was an Episcopal bishop with his black and red regalia. There were Christian nuns with their habits. There were Muslim people with robes. Some of the women in hijab, there were Hindus. I saw the whirling dervishes. <sighs> and in the opening ceremony, the Ute people from Utah, the native people, 
did drumming that just was powerful and riveting. It was amazing. And they had these costumes with fringes and beads. I would not have been surprised if a yak or a camel walked through. Because I felt like I was, I don't know, in Constantinople, some grand city, a marketplace of the people of the world. It was beautiful. And there were so many. It, it was like trying to take a sip out of a fire hose. So much happening. And I was only able to be in one place at one time. And so I want to share with you today a few highlights of what I experienced and what I learned from my five days with 10,000 people from 80 countries and 50 religions. Just to be in the presence of people so dedicated was uplifting. One of my favorite speakers was actually Jane Goodall. Remember her? The primatologist? Jane grew up in England during World War II. And she said her mom, at the end of the war, there was tremendous anti-German sentiment happening. Her mom didn't want her to be taken up with that. So what did her mother do? Send her to live in Germany with a family. So Jane learned from a very early age that people are people and people are good. It's governments. It was not the people of Germany. And her mother helped her not become a part of that hysteria and that negativity. And Jane wanted to study, go to Africa and study primates. Where did she get this idea? No one had done it before, but that's what she wanted to do. And her mom said, Jane, if that's what you want to do, go for it. So she went to university, even though she didn't really have the qualifications. Somehow she got herself in there, and she was in conversation with her professors, all male at the time, of course. And they were telling her, Jane, yes, go to Africa, study the primates. Here's what you need to do. Give the animals a number. Do not give them a name. They have no feelings. Keep objective. Jane heard what they said and let it go right out the other ear because she said, I learned everything I needed to know to prepare me for my work from my dog, Rusty. <laughs> that animals are beings that have feelings. That the earth is sacred. That animals are sacred. And she went on to become one of the most impressive academics in this area that she helped found. Quite an amazing woman. The, the theme of the parliament of the world's religions this year was reclaiming the heart of our humanity. And Jane said this. One of the biggest problems is in the world is the disconnect between our brain and our heart. When we are disconnected, we're able to create nuclear bombs. When our 
brain is not connected with our heart, we're able to start wars. When our brain's not connected with our heart, we're able to engage in destructive pollution and violation of the planet. I think she's right. What happened? That we were disconnected. One of the other speakers who was so powerful was a little tiny woman named Rose. She was one of the indigenous grandmothers. She's from New Zealand. And she got up there. She was tiny and powerful. And she said, I'm an old woman. My body is a wreck. I think Rose is about 80 or so. And yet she came all the way from New Zealand. And she said, the reason... She said, I'm beautiful. You know, my teeth have fallen out, whatever. My body's a wreck, but I'm beautiful. We are each a child of God. And the reason my body is so such a wreck, I feel everything the earth feels. And she told this story, Rose did. Rose said, when I was eight years old in my village in New Zealand with the Maori people, her people, I started shaking, just shaking and shaking, and ugh, it just went on for a whole day. And the elders held me and tried to understand what was going on. You know what it was? Hiroshima. She felt it. They got the news and they realized. She felt it in her body. She's a shaman. And she says, this is why. I let myself feel the pain, not just of the earth, but of others. Why is our brain disconnected from our heart? Partly because we don't want to feel the pain. other speakers who I was deeply, deeply moved by was Alan Bosak. Does that name ring a bell to anyone? He hung out with Nelson Mandela. He's a black South African. He was very active in the anti-apartheid movement since he was a, a young man. And he told amazing stories about the foundation of his ability to resist was from his Christian faith and from his mother. Alan Bosak said, when you get to heaven, the question that you will be asked is this. Where are your scars? Where are your wounds? Was there nothing worth fighting for? The disconnect between brain and heart because we don't want to feel the pain. 
we don't want to engage. So I want to invite you to live more. Let us live more and more from our hearts. Let us be willing to feel the pain of the earth and each other. St. Paul on his way to Damascus. Aha moments. And it came from hearing Karen Armstrong speak. Remember Karen Armstrong? She's a British woman. She was a former Catholic nun. And she has written, I don't know, dozens, it seems, of books. Um, Really an outstanding academic and a deep thinker about religion. As you were singing that last song, That's the heart of Karen Armstrong's message. The golden rule. That what unites religions, don't do to somebody else what would hurt you. Be concerned. Open your heart. Be concerned about other people's pain. Don't do it. Be concerned about the earth, the pain of the earth. Don't do the things that are harmful. So Karen has written lots and lots of books. And she told us in the Parliament about her latest book. I think the title is Fields of Blood, The History of Religion and Violence. And we all know, don't we, that religions have been responsible for so much violence in the world. Does that resonate with you? When I was in seminary, and I I did part of my classes in a huge seminary and part in a Christian seminary, we all had to read Christian history about the, the history of Christianity from the time of Jesus till now and all of the developments and the, the different sects and groups and stuff. And as I was reading that, I just became more and more angry at the suffering that has been done in the name of religion. Well, Karen Armstrong said, you're all wrong. Religion is actually not responsible for this violence. She said, it's the manipulation of religion. It's actually politics and economics that is behind this violence. And religion is the fall guy for it. And as I heard her speak, I thought about my rage in seminary about this and where I am now. And I realized I have come to this same position as Karen Armstrong. The real message of religion is what you all were just singing. That's it. And the people who use religion to justify their own politics their own hurtful behaviors, their own exploitation of the earth and other people, they are not in harmony with the actual teachers. We have that banner there. Some of the symbols of the great world religions. I've got some on my stole. If you go to the essence of these religions, what's the teaching? We just sang it. 
Say it for me. Peace, shalom. Say, what's that phrase? Yeah. Louder. Shanti, shalom. Siti, shalom. Thank you. That's what it's really about. The other stuff is people who have their own political and economic agendas who are using religion in harmful ways, which is completely understandable, especially when people are suffering because they've been colonized because they've had their land taken from them, because they're under authoritative dictatorships. So many reasons in their pain and their agony, they strike out and they grab religious texts or phrases to justify that. But what's the real teaching? The real teaching is in your pain, in your anger, in, go deeper below the anger and feel that hurt. Don't live in your head. Live in your heart and feel, yes, this is wrong. Yes, this hurts. Yes, the earth is being harmed. Yes, my people are being harmed. And what am I going to do about it? I will not strike back. That's the real message. To respond to the agonies of our era with peace, with love. And all around the globe, people are doing this. 10,000 people gathered to affirm this in Utah in October. All around the world. It doesn't make the news, does it? It's much more interesting and exciting to report on the antics of the angry maniacs than on the diligent, careful, overtime, loving service of the Sikhs giving free lunches of Habitat for Humanity that you're a part of, building free houses, of people who care about the earth and do things like you do with Wawa. All of that, all around the world, there are people who are doing this. I said earlier, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And that is true in terms of the actual material has to come from somewhere and some people serving it. But that idea, there's no such thing as a free lunch. It means people are only motivated by greed, by money, by power. That is not true. Did you come here today because you were getting paid to be here? Did you come here today because you wanted to assert power? I don't think so. You came here today because you were motivated by love and by the desire for community and the desire to connect with other people who care. 
there is a free lunch. There's more than a free lunch. There's free housing. There's free food. There's free health care. And a lot of the people in the entire globe who are doing this, they're doing it because of their religion. One of the coolest things I learned at the parliament is in the last 20 years, extreme poverty has been reduced by 50%. Isn't that impressive? And a lot of the folks who are doing this are religious folks, people like you, who are involved. Your local programs that you are active in, this matters. There are free lunches. There are people who are motivated by love. Back to what I opened with, Emerson. The greatest calamity that can befall a nation is the loss of worship. Huh? What does that mean? Worship means shaping what is of worth. That's what it means. The greatest calamity is when people stop being active in shaping the world in love, motivated by love, not by power, not by greed, not by money. That's the biggest problem. And look where we are today. Look at the state of worship in the world. So if that's true, what's the greatest blessing? greatest blessing, I think, the greatest calamity is the loss of worship. The greatest blessing is reclaiming the heart of our humanity. The greatest blessing is when individuals are motivated to shape the world, to say, I care about the people who are hungry, who are arriving with empty bellies and aching hearts, and I'm going to greet them and love them and feed them. I'm shaping the world to what is worthy in this. The greatest blessing that can uplift the planet is the restoration of our whole humanity, the reclaiming of our hearts. It's boring. It doesn't make the news. (laughs) But it's what's happening. As I look around the world, I am full of hope. And I'm not ignorant. I know what's going on. But what isn't reported? Every single place on this planet, there are people like you who are saying, that's not fair. I'm going to do something positive. I'm not going to strike back. I'm going to plant seeds of love. Everywhere on this globe are people like you who see hungry people and say, we're going to feed them. Every place on this globe, there are people who see the watershed, the earth being harmed like you and your work with Wawa and are saying, actually, I'm going to correct my piece of it. There is great, great hope in the world. Please do not... Participate in the mania of fear and insanity that they're trying to whip us up into. It's very harmful. Connect with the heart's activity, love, 
of people from all over the planet who are motivated by love, who are healing, are broken and aching world. And you're part of it. You're here this morning because you are part of it. You may think, ah, our little group doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. Feel your connect. Open your heart. Feel your connections to people all over the planet who are like you and restoring. You won't see it in the newspaper. You don't need to. You can feel it in your heart. The greatest blessing that can uplift the planet is the reclaiming of our human heart. May it be so. May it be so. blessing that is currently uplifting the planet is the reclaiming of our hearts. If you have found friendship here, treasure it. If you have found disquiet here, sit gently with the pain in your heart. And if you have found hope here, bring it out into our beautiful and broken world that needs you, all of you, your brain, your heart, your body. May it be so. Blessed be.